0: Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 19, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 19, so some of the technology that we tapped into um, this afternoon in the discipleship class is kind of new to me, I'm learning, I've been reading about it in in the last several days, but um, someone asked me, so we used uh, a feature on Facebook, it's called Facebook Live, and we were able to simulcast, webcast, live stream the the class as it was going on but then there's also the feature of being able to save that so some are asking about how do you access that so if you go to facebook um mark winslet uh, on facebook it's there posted i guess on my page if that's the way you you say that so am i using the right terminology brian something like that you're watching it right now amen all right let's be a double dose of the holy ghost right Amen. All right, so um, so yeah, ex- exciting times. Praise God. We're, um, where's Jason? Jason, give us a wave right there, brother. Give that brother a hand. Y'all may not even know this brother. He... Man. Jason has worked. When I say countless hours, um, he's rebuilding our website for us and and i'm um, just doing it to bless the church i mean i we're going to figure out some way to be a blessing to him but just doing it to bless the church and and he'll complete certain parts of it and because my name is on the new host server that we're moving it to the new site that's hosting it it'll fire off emails to me you know notifying me this change been made whatever you know which is all fine and dandy but you know, those things are coming in like at 1.30, 2.30 in the morning, which means he's working like day and night on this thing. So um, we're really, really excited about the new site. And once we get the new site up, we're gonna make the next step to live stream our services. Um, we were able to do that with an iPhone, um, which is pretty cool, but iPhone's a little small just as far as trying to capture it in, in here. So, but anyway, more to come on that, and we'll, if you try to access the website right now, you're gonna get a can't find the server. It's because um, Jason did as much as he could do, and then we just kinda had to pull the plug on one, and then everything's kinda taking place behind the scenes where we're migrating everything. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's all going on today, so um, we kept the other one up as long as we could. You can still, you'll still be able to get the, the audio message uh, from tonight uh, on podcast, and um, Apple Podcast, and then uh, you'll be able to get the video of it through Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O, but anyway, you won't be able to access that through hccnow.org for a little while longer, so. Thank you, Brian Reynolds, and some of you have issues because you don't have Apple phones and you can't access the podcast through an Android phone. If you will download an app called CastBox, free app, and then from the CastBox app, search Heritage Christian Center, Um, it'll pull up our podcast, and you can listen to them um, on your Android phone, so all right, good things. Hebrews chapter three, verse number 19, it says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. That's the last verse in chapter 3. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So just to review and clarify, he's talking about them and us. And them is referring to the nation of Israel that had become enslaved in Egypt. And we know that God, through Moses, brought them out of slavery so that he could bring them into their best life in the promised land. And, of course, we know that they failed to enter into that promised land. They failed to enter into that rest. He's saying that in the same way, there's a rest that's available for you and me. And that we need to enter in. So the us, of course, is speaking of you and me. But he's not talking about a physical promised land per se. He's talking about all that has been provided for you and me uh, because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Matthew 11, 28, 29. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when we talk about rest, we're talking about the opposite of of striving and frust- and frustration and aggravation and an and inability to get the results that we need. But notice that they did not enter in because of unbelief, which means if they were ever going to enter into their rest, they were going to have to do it through faith, through belief. And the same is true for you and me. If we're going to enter into our rest, we're going to have to enter into it by faith. Now I've heard people say life is hard, it's not true. Life is not hard, God God didn't create life to be hard. Life outside of faith is hard. When we learn how to live the way God created us to live, life is not nearly, there's still challenges, I'm not trying to, but again, it's one thing to have a challenge and be able to overcome it. My favorite test in school, my favorite test in school, I guarantee it was your favorite test in school as well, it was the one you knew all the answers to, right? My least favorite test in school was the one that I didn't know hardly any answers to. That, that was misery. That one was hard. The test that you, can, you, you are equipped and know how, you actually enjoy at the end of it. You're like, man, look at what I just did, right? It's that sense of accomplishment. So we're gonna have challenges in life. That's, that's a given, okay? But it's one thing to face those challenges with faith and overcome, it's another thing to try to struggle through and fight through on your own and just continually be bombarded with things that you can't seem to get on top of. So, life outside of faith is hard. And we also see from this passage that rest and faith go hand in hand. Rest and faith go hand in hand. You you can't have rest without faith. Amen. Although we long for it and we're created for it, rest is how we enter into it. Now, when we talk about rest, what we're really talking about is when you enjoy the fruits of someone else's labors. It's when somebody else does the work and you get the benefit. And of course we see in this particular passage, we're not going to read all this, I'm just trying to give you some review and background. We see in this passage here in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, where God speaks of three different kinds of rest. He speaks of the rest that came after six days of creation, the rest that came or was made available to the children of Israel that God brought them out of slavery in Egypt, and then he talks about the rest that's available to you and me because of the work that Jesus did in his sinless life, his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay? Now, let's keep reading verse number 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath that I shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. I'm getting some kind of feedback up here or something, Greg. I don't know if you can hear it back there. I'm, amen. I'm trying to keep my voice down so it doesn't happen, but when I get loud, it starts squealing. Thank you, brother. You're a blessing. Amen. Alright, so what it, again the Bible says they shall not enter my rest, God speaking although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. This is some heavy stuff right here but let's let's just kind of dig into it just a little bit, okay? The Bible says of Jesus that He was the Lamb of God slain, killed, killed, from the foundation of the world. What this means is Jesus had already agreed to come to this earth at some point in the future and die for us before He ever created us. It wasn't that God was shocked that a human being sinned and now He's got to try to scramble to figure out something to do about that, no. He already knew these things would happen, and Jesus had already agreed before we were created. Man, you talk about love. Before He ever created us, He knew He was going to have to come and die for us in order for His ultimate plan for you and me to be fulfilled. And so Jesus agreed. In other words, the rest that is available to you and me because of the completed work of Jesus was basically already established for us before we were ever created. It predates you. Now, we also see in addition Revelation 13:8 is where it says Jesus is the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. But we also see another clue in Matthew chapter 25 verse 34. In Matthew chapter 25 verse 34, Jesus says, "The kingdom was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world." So we see that the kingdom of God that Jesus ultimately brought to this earth, made available for you and me to enter into through the new birth, that we're now citizens of, even that aspect was prepared and put in place for us before the world was ever created. Now, jump down with me to verse 9, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. Here it says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his now we have said this a bunch of times I want to say it again okay when he's talking about rest here he's talking about you entering into the fruits of someone else's labors somebody else worked and you benefited from it okay and there's lots of different examples. One, of course, is the fact that you were here. You did nothing to be born. Your mother and father conceived you, and then your mother went into labor, literal labor, to give birth to you, and so here you are. Somebody else worked, and now here we are. We did nothing, right? Somebody else worked, we get the benefit. When it comes to this world, we did nothing to create this world. God created it, and then He put Adam put us in it for, to enjoy it. Okay, So when he says there remains therefore a rest for the people of God, he's talking about things that we're leaving on the table. He's talking about levels of life and quality of life that's available to us that we're not entering into or that we're not stepping up into or that we're not pursuing or going after. The Bible says that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. And we sometimes think that that's talking about heaven. And heaven is going to be an amazing place one day when we get there. But God's talking about the things that He has prepared for you and me right here, right now on this earth. And the Bible says this in in connection with that. He says that we've been given not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So when he says there remains therefore a rest for the people of God, he's talking about levels of rest, levels of experience, levels of enjoyment, levels of joy and peace and satisfaction in life, contentment in life, that we have yet to tap into. I'm not telling you that to frustrate you tonight. I'm telling you that to encourage you and to inspire you and to motivate you, amen, that even if things are are challenging and difficult right now, maybe even somebody in here tonight, your life is miserable right now, it doesn't have to be miserable. Because there's there's a rest available to us this side of heaven that we have not yet experienced or enjoyed. Now, This may be stating the obvious, but sometimes it's the most obvious things in Scripture that we overlook. God rested on the seventh day of creation because everything was finished on day six. Okay? Now I know that may be obvious and it may sound simple, but God rested on day seven Because everything that needed to be done to provide a place for us was finished on day six. It's not like God got all that he could get done done on day six and he was like, well, I'll just have to finish this sometime else, sometime later because, you know, we're supposed to rest on the seventh day, um, but there's still a whole bunch of unfinished business that we'll get to or let Adam handle at some point, you know, in the future. No, no. Have you ever had a job where it's like, I just, you know, done all I can do right now, but it's not finished, okay? Well, sometimes we think, well, maybe that's what happened to God on, you know, that uh, Friday evening, S-s-s- technically the seventh day is Saturday, so Friday evening for us and our weekend is like, Saturday is kind of like the day and then Sunday is the day of rest, you know. So for us, it would be like, okay, Saturday evening, I've been working at this for six days, I'm going to take me a break tomorrow. That's not what God is saying here. He rested on the seventh day because he finished things on the sixth day, All right? Now, why am I emphasizing this? Because he's saying that that is the example for you and me to understand and learn from when it comes to our rest. But remember, our rest is not the rest that came after God's heavy lifting of creation. Our rest is the rest made available by Jesus' heavy lifting on the cross. Jesus' heavy lifting in the death, hell, and the grave. Jesus' heavy lifting, penetrating back through the lower atmosphere to return back to uh, his, uh, the throne in heaven to pour out His blood on the altar for you and me blood that now is testifying good things about us on our behalf right now while we're here on this earth. It's happening in heaven. Jesus did all of that to make you and me right before God in the eyes of God. Jesus did all of that so that we could enter into the same kind of right standing and therefore the same kind of oneness and fellowship with God the Father that He enjoys. Jesus did all the work so that we could enter into rest. So, this is the example he's saying that that we need to learn from to understand and experience the rest that remains, that's still out there for us to tap into and experience in this life. Let me say it to you another way. In John, the 19th chapter and the 30th verse, Jesus. Just before He breathed His last breath on the cross, He said these words, It is finished. It is finished. When He said it is finished, what was He actually meaning by that statement? He's saying what needs to be done for you to be forgiven has been completed. What needs to be done for your sin... To be not just covered over, but to be washed off of you, removed from you, never to be held against you again, is finished. He didn't die because he was tired of suffering. He didn't give up the ghost because he had had all he could stand and he couldn't stand no more. He said, It is finished. And it was only when he said it was finished that he died, not a second before. So, what does that mean? In the same way that God the Father didn't put Adam in a half-finished earth, Jesus didn't bring you and me into a half-finished redemption or a half-finished salvation or a half-finished inheritance or a half-finished righteousness or a half-finished covenant or a half-finished kingdom. When he said it was finished, it was finished. Because it was finished, we now have rest. If Jesus hadn't finished it, we wouldn't have any rest to enter into yet. We would either be in limbo or we would be trying to finish it for Him. But yet that's what a lot of people are trying to do in the body of Christ. They somehow in their minds think that what Jesus did for them on the cross was not enough to make them righteous and somehow now they've got to work really hard to one day make themselves right before God in the eyes of God. When Jesus said it was finished, it was finished. Romans 10.3 speaking of people being ignorant for they being ignorant of God's righteousness seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves or surrendered themselves to the righteousness of God it's not that work wasn't required to fix us It's just that we weren't qualified to do the work. A whole lot of hard work, a whole lot of endurance, and for that matter, misery and suffering had to be endured to fix what was broken in you and me. The reality is we were powerless. Remember, we talked about inability weaknesses, inability to get results. We, we could not make ourselves righteous. We There's nothing we could do. There's no suffering. There, there's, there's no... It just amazes me that people all the time talking about, you know, how God uses suffering to make us better people. Well, my God, we, we ought to all be princes and princesses by now, shouldn't we? Oh, that's such a broken understanding of who God is and and and, and what He's done. Jesus suffered for you so that you wouldn't have to suffer anymore. He worked for you so you wouldn't have to keep working to try to make yourself righteous because you're not qualified to do it and you're in no position to do it anyway. He did it for you. All that work, He did it for you so that you wouldn't have to bleed. You simply believed. Believe is how you became right. He worked, you believe That's rest. And when he says that we enter into our rest the same way God entered into his, he's not talking about you being lazy. He's not talking about you laying around doing nothing. That's absolutely nothing going to be further from the truth. He's talking about you quit thinking your salvation is dependent upon whether or not you're good or bad today. You quit thinking that if you're ever going to have anything from God, you've got to play all your religious cards right. See, that, that means you don't think Jesus finished it, that you've got to finish it. He finished it. We enter into the rest of it. And I don't just mean the rest like what's left. I mean like the rest, the R-E-S-T, the benefit of it by faith. All right. Let's go. Let's go to verse. So 9 and 10, there remains a rest for the people of God. He who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Verse 11 is a key verse. Let us. Let us. Anytime you see that word let, it's an important word, okay? It's. it's, it's an if word. In other words, he's saying that you've got a choice here. This word in other places, in other translations of the Bible, is trans- translated allow. Let us allow us. In other words, he's saying here that God's wanting to do something in you and for you and through you, but you've got to cooperate with him. You've got to allow him. So let us, therefore, therefore means in light of, in light of people who had rest but never entered into it, a rest that remains for you and me, and just as God ceased from His works on the seventh day, we're to learn from His example and quit trying to to accomplish what Jesus has already accomplished for us and simply enter into it by faith and allow that to transform the way we go about this thing called life. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now look at me please, okay? This, among other verses, is clear evidence that he's not talking about heaven. He's not talking about the rest when we get to heaven. Because the only way to enter that rest would be to die. Or Jesus come back and get us. So, when he's talking about you and me entering into something right now and us being diligent to do it, he can't be talking about something that would only be accessible through passing from this life into the next. So, he's talking about a rest that remains available for you and me right here, right now. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now let's connect two things together right quick, okay? In verse 19 it said they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. But here it says it was disobedience. Which one is it? Well, you have to understand how faith and obedience work together hand in glove in order to understand That unbelief and disobedience work together hand in glove. The part of the Bible in your lap that you really believe is the part that you do. The part that you really believe is the part that you do. We're kind of prone, I know I'm guilty of it, the Lord's been dealing with me about it. We're kind of prone to doing a lot of talking about what we believe. And we can deceive ourselves. The Bible says, you can be a hearer of the word and not a doer and deceive yourself into thinking you believe stuff that you really don't believe. But you say you believe it and people have heard you say you believe it, but... So they mean different things, but they are so connected with one another that unbelief is disobedience in the same way that faith is reflected in obedience. I'm just using this as an example. We're not about to take up another offer or anything like that, okay? But to say that you believe in tithing, right? The, the only way to e- express your faith in tithing is to obey what God has said about tithing. In other words, it's to tithe. You, you see what I'm saying? You know, for me to stand up here and say, man, I believe in tithing, I believe in tithing. If I preach tithing all these years but never paid to tithe, that would make me something, right? Anybody want to say it real loud? A hypocrite. A hypocrite, right? So when he says that they couldn't enter in because of disobedience... We even see where the Bible talks about those who got saved and it says that they obeyed this doctrine. They, they heard that the doctrine of salvation, the teaching of salvation, and they believed, right? But you can't just hear and believe it in your heart. You've got to confess it out of your mouth. So their, their confession, their releasing of their faith was their obedience. So he says that we can't follow their same example of disobedience. All right, let me get back up here and we'll finish this. Praise God. <clears throat> I want to give you this same verse from a few different translations and then we'll shut it down for tonight, okay? But I want you to, I want you to see something here because I love words. If y'all hadn't figured that out by now, um, I love study words. I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm a word nerd. Okay, um, but I like words. Okay, and um, amen. These ladies over here have been in hours and hours and hours of classes with me, and thank God for them. But um, so I, I, I really, um, amen. You know, so we, <laughs> ah, so we talk about. Um, what this verse is really saying, sometimes, do you understand play on of words? Like where, you, for instance, Jesus did it when he said, um, "You are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates will so not prevail against it." Jesus used two slightly different variations of the word "rock." And when he said, you are Peter, he said in the Greek language, you are, if I get up, I stop not my notes right now, so amen, just, you can correct me later if I'm wrong, but basically the word is, I think it's petros, he said, you are petros, a chip, and on this petra, I will build my church. So he's a play on of words, right? It, everybody thinks that well, you know, he's built the church on Peter. No, no, no. He's, he's talking about what was revealed to Peter. The, the church is being built on who Jesus is being revealed to people. So he's saying, you're, you're a chip. Later Peter said, we're all lively stones, all being assembled on top of the chief cornerstone, the Petra. Okay. But it's a play on of words. Now here is a different play on of words literally what he's saying here not to confuse you he's saying you need to work really hard to rest you think why is that? that don't make sense work hard to rest work hard to rest so let's look at it in a few different translations new king james says let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest the king james version let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let us labor to enter into what's available for us to enter into because Jesus worked really hard for us to be able to enter into it. Okay? The English Standard Version. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest or that place of rest then no one will be lost by following the, I'm sorry, no one may, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. I was reading the next one. This is God's Word translation. So we must make every effort to enter that place of rest. Then no one will be lost by following the example of those who refuse to obey. Last one, amplified. Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently To enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves, that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. If you were keeping up, he told us in all these different translations let us labor, strive, be diligent, make every effort, be zealous and exert ourselves to enter into our rest. Say, Pastor Mark, how are we supposed to make sense of all this? Jesus. He said it in John six twenty nine. You ready? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He sent. Our work is the work of faith. Our work is the effort involved in believing. The effort that we are to allow, that we are to come alongside to bring into the mix what we bring to the table, the part that we must do. We talked in discipleship class tonight where Jesus, talked, Jesus said that we, we have to be willing to take up our cross... And come after him if we're going to be his disciple. He's talking about a willingness on our part to do our part, to understand what our responsibilities are in all of this, and to do them diligently, to do them wholeheartedly, to strive diligently, to exert ourselves, to, to, to put in the effort, right? But he's not talking about you putting in the effort to somehow accomplish something that you could never accomplish on your own he's talking about the effort that's involved in fighting the good fight of faith the effort that's involved in standing on the Word of God and and, and, and bringing your thoughts words and actions into alignment with the Word of God and, and, to, and to believe what God has said about you and about your situation even when things around you seem to contradict it it requires an, an, an inward strength it requires a focus and determination it requires effort and endurance are you hear what I'm saying all of these things are work but when you compare our work in this to what Jesus did to make it available how could we ever call believing work compared to his work on the cross it's, it's no comparison But the sad thing about it is, after Jesus did all that for so many people, now folks in the body of Christ aren't interested in lifting a finger to enter into what he made available. So he says, let's let's not repeat this. Let's, Let's not follow their example of unbelief and disobedience, but let's labor Strive, be diligent, make every effort, be zealous, and exert ourselves to enter into our rest. Stand with me tonight. Our work is to believe. Our work is to believe. Amen. Our work is to believe. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Do you, I know you're standing, so I'll be quick. Do you you remember when God was gonna make a covenant with his friend Abraham? Now covenant was something that that two men or two families would enter into to join the the resources and protection and and strength of those families together. But now God coming down on Abraham's level, He's gonna enter into a covenant with Abraham. And of course they cut the animals, the blood is there. Abraham's about to walk through that ankle deep blood and enter into something very serious with God. And we see that, two things. First of all, Abraham's assignment Was to take and keep the vultures and the birds of the the air from from coming down the lighting. So we had to he had to keep that stuff from messing it up, okay? But then we see at the last minute, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. God put him to sleep, and Jesus came and walked in that ankle-deep blood as Abraham's representative. And literally made that covenant with God on Abraham's behalf then Abraham wakes up and Shazam he's in covenant with the Most High God but it was Abraham I mean it was Jesus who did it for Abraham as Abraham's representative it's not that Abraham didn't have a part in this but Jesus did the hard part and Abraham did The easy part when it comes to what we have even our ability to knock that old vulture the devil off of what God's trying has done for us right even then we've got the blood of Jesus the Word of God the name of Jesus the authority that that is his given to us to do it but we've still got to do it we've still got to take the stand We've still got to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Father, you're good to us and we love you. Thank you tonight for loving us. Thank you for the men and women in this room. I know, Lord, some of them, really, really long day. Um, Some of them started with classes and seeking you, Lord, early this morning and now all the way through to later in the evening tonight. Thank you, Father, for what you're planting in us and watering in us and growing in us and harvesting from us. Thank you, Lord, that... Our lights are so shining before other people that they're seeing our good works and glorifying you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck. Tell somebody around you that you're thankful for them.